Welcome to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. This is the place where you'll learn cutting-edge personal brand strategies from today's most recognizable influencers. We're going to teach you how to build a rock-solid reputation and then how to turn that reputation into revenue. I'm your lead host, Rory Vaden, co-founder of Brand Builders Group, Hall of Fame speaker, and New York Times bestselling author of Take the Stairs. I am so excited to introduce you to somebody who is a friend, a client of Brand Builders Group, and somebody who is really becoming a mentor in many ways because she teaches a very specific topic that I'm so excited to introduce to you. So you're about to meet Rebecca Zung, and she is a negotiation expert and specifically an expert on negotiating with narcissists. She also has a huge personal brand. So she's a YouTuber. She's got, you know, she got over 100,000 subscribers in 10 months when she launched her YouTube channel. But really, before she was a personal brand, she was one of the top 1% of attorneys in the nation. So she was actually recognized by US News and World Report as a best lawyer in America. She has written several books on this subject. So Negotiate Like You Matter and then Breaking Free. But her new book that is coming out now is called Slay the Bully, How to Negotiate with a Narcissist and Win. And I've just been really captivated by Rebecca's content and her intelligence in terms of how she's built her business. And then also we've gotten to work with her a little bit and get to know her behind the scenes. But I thought, hey, we got to have this topic of negotiating with narcissists on our show because it applies to all of us. So anyways, Rebecca, welcome to the show. Thank you. You are actually one of my favorite people. You are so brilliant. I'm really actually in awe of you. So uh, thank you. Thank you for yeah. having me. Yeah. Well, thanks, friend. And I don't uh, say that actually very easily. Let me just tell you that. I don't suffer fools very easily. So I have to tell you, I'm really, really impressed by you. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, and I genuinely am impressed by you. I mean, 40 million plus views on YouTube, several hundred thousand followers on Instagram and social. You've built this massive email list, you know, well into the six figures and hundreds of thousands of followers on Facebook. You know, before all of that, you were a true expert. I mean, you're just like the, the epitome of who we like to work with at Brand Builders Group, this person with deep expertise who really solves a problem in the world. And I have to tell you, my very first question I want to ask you about is such a fundamental question, which is how do you define a narcissist? Because honestly, that term wasn't even on my radar until I met you. And then, you know, I started following you and like seeing all the stuff and going, wow, so many people are resonating with your content. So apparently there's a lot of narcissists out there in the world and you know, maybe my eyes are just being open to that. So can you like start there and, and tell us what that is? Yeah, I actually wouldn't have been able to define it myself either, even though, you know, I probably came a across a lot of them in my practice and even in my personal life as well. So the way I like to define it is, is really in layman's terms. And in my book, of okay. course, I give the DSM-5 and all of that because I, you know, I felt like I needed to, which is what the professionals, the mental health professionals use. But 
I like to use layman terms because I think it's easier for all of us to understand. And it is a spectrum. And so if you go all the way to the end of the spectrum, there is a legitimate personality disorder there sitting at the end of the spectrum, which is narcissistic personality disorder. But obviously, as you get closer and closer toward the end of the spectrum, you're going to get closer and more and more and more of of the characteristics, right? And all of us, of course, have some characteristics of being narcissistic at times. And there is a healthy version of narcissism, by the way, too. Interesting. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So, but what narcissism is, is a person who has no feeling of, of value. And I say they don't feel valuable because obviously all human beings are inherently valuable, but they don't feel any sense of internal value. And so what they do is they go around trying to get feelings of value from external sources. And so the way it's described is narcissistic supply. And that's what everybody refers to it as, is narcissistic supply. What I have done is actually tier that and tier it into diamond level supply and coal level supply. So they they get this you know, external diamond level supply from anything in in how they look. So it could be big houses, impressive friends, lots of money, all the things that you think of as the best things of how they look to the world, you know, puffing themselves up by making themselves look good. And then there's what I call the dark underbelly of narcissistic supply, which is put, you know, making themselves feel better by pushing other people down, which Mm. is degrading people, controlling people, manipulating people, making other people squirm. So that's what I call coal level supply. But what they do is they suck you dry of energy because they're trying to make themselves feel better, but it's a black hole and it can never be filled. So you are left feeling totally and completely depleted yet they're still starving and they're like desperate for air, gasping for breath and it's scarcity to the utmost extreme and it can never be healed and it can never be, you know, it's like a salve that they're trying to put on themselves and they can never get enough. And so you are there and feel totally depleted. They're still starving and there's this black hole and it goes on and on and on and on. And that's why they have no empathy. That's why they have no empathy. It's like they're in pain all the time and it's deep shame. Interesting. And so that's part of the characteristic is no empathy for others because they're just consumed with basically trying to satisfy this void, which is impossible for them to fill with external stuff, which is impossible for them to fill. Correct. Uh-huh. Correct. So let's back up a little bit because your personal story is, you know, inspiring and fascinating. I was raised by a single mom and who sold Mary Kay. And that's always like part of my story. Oh, did she have the pink Cadillac? She never got the pink Cadillac. She did have the red Grand Am for a minute, for like a hot minute. So she did it more of like a side hustle than like a career. But I still learned a lot of like personal development principles from sort of being around like the Mary Kay culture and the events and stuff that she had. But anyways, can you tell us, like, I'm curious, how did you become one of these top attorneys? And, you know, you've been on extra and I know you've had like some pre- very high profile, 
like divorce cases that you used to be involved in. And I know you're still like a partner in your firm, but like, how did you get into all of this stuff? Like, tell us your personal story. Well, interestingly enough, you know, actually first generation Chinese on my dad's side and second generation German on my mom's, you know, so half Chinese and half German. So I, I always joke that I have no fun genes whatsoever. You know, it's, all, it's all like very, very serious and extremely organized. But my dad came over from China when he was 15. He was from Shanghai, he went to Columbia undergrad medical school. My mom was an operating room nurse and my dad was an anesthesiologist. So, you know, I graduated second in my class from high school. And then my version of rebellion was to drop out of college and get married at 19 and have three kids by the time I was 22. Mm. And so my parents were just loving that. Sure. Uh, you know, just devastated. <laughs> I mean, night, you dropped out of college, got married at 19 and had three kids and you're 22 years old. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then I got divorced still in my twenties. And, you know, my parents were like, you're done with us. But, you know, they didn't give me any more money at that point. Like that was it. I mean, they still loved me and all, but it wasn't, you know, like, you know, in those days, you know, at this point it's like, you know, the late eighties or whatever it was like that. They weren't like 1990 or whatever it was like, they weren't like, Oh, you know, we're going to give you money or whatever at that point, you know, like this you were is on your own. You were an adult. you were out there on your own. You're done. We're done. You know, this time it was the nineties. And so they were like, okay, you know, you can do whatever you're going to do. And so I got divorced and went back to law school. This is definitely in the nineties already at this point. And I met my husband in law school and you know, I'm still in my 20s at this point, right? And we have now been married for 23 years and we have a 21-year-old daughter. And I, you know, at that point, I mean, I, I still made law review. I went to University of Miami Law School at night. And I mean, they don't even have a night program anymore. I mean, so, you know, it was a crazy time in my life. It was crazy. And so I ended up starting at a law firm where the partners were, you know, top family law attorneys in the country. Okay. You know, they were both members of the Academy, the International Academy. My, one of the partners that I worked for, she had been, you know, president of the American Bar Association for the, the country. And, you know, so I just that's where I started you know, and high net worth family law is a very, very specialized area of the law. You have to know, you know, tax law, estate planning law, business law, you know, trust law. I mean, it's a very, very high, you know, highly specialized area of the law. So that's where I started right from the beginning. And I came up through that. They retired. I ended up starting my own practice and continued on, you know, I was in Naples, Florida, which is a very affluent area. At one point when I had my daughter, I stopped and I ended up going to Morgan Stanley for a few years. I did wealth planning there for a little while, just like two years. And I had my series seven and 66 for a little while. And then I went back and had my own practice. And then just, you know, I wrote my first book in 2013. 
I had John Gray actually wrote the foreword, or he wrote an endorsement for me. And from there, I actually started to get some television work. I started doing, you know, TMZ and, you know, some things like that. And that was when I started to think, you know, maybe I want to do something a little bit more entrepreneurial. You know, it was like, I didn't have to even step outside my firm anymore to do any networking. You know, it was like a hamster wheel, you know, for my practice. And I just started to feel like, uh, you know, let me do something else. So in 2017, I merged my practice with two other guys who were both members of the Academy of Matrimonial Lawyers. And my husband and I moved to Los Angeles and I was going back and forth. And that was when I started learning about funnels and I just started like teaching myself some things. And I got involved with this other person at that time who turned out to be a narcissist. And that's when I started to... In the business? Not, she wasn't, you know, it wasn't a law firm, no, but it was an entrepreneurial endeavor that, you know. And so that's when you really started diving in specifically to negotiating with narcissists. Cause I think, as I think about the people listening to this show, I think you go, you know, you might be negotiating fees with clients, you could be negotiating customer service issues with like people trying to like cancel or get a refund. You could be negotiating something with a business partner, right? In terms of, we hear a lot of those stories. Right? A lot of our clients have had very tumultuous, we'll say separations from business partners and joint ventures and things like that. Yeah. And- well, I had, I ended up having that. I mean, I ended up having that, you know, mm-hmm. because, you know, I mean, and they always start out the same these narcissists, you know, very charming, very perfect. You know, I had this idea for a business and I had really kind of started the process with it and it had my name on it. I don't want to give too many details because I don't want to be, you know, giving like, oh, this person coming back, you know, but I had an idea and, you know, But you basically, the short of it is you had this experience where suddenly you were tied up with a narcissist. And I guess ultimately what I'd love to hear is, so how do you negotiate with the narcissist? Like knowing now what some of their characteristics are and why, which is super helpful to understand the reason they are the way they are is because they're starving. They're searching for basically love and importance and to feel valued And that's a really scary place to go, oh, you know, nothing I can do is ever going to make them feel that way. So they continue going, which means I'm going to constantly feel drained. So, you know, I always feel like when I think about negotiation and the way that I approach negotiation, like I don't think of negotiation as a battle. I've always thought about negotiating. I think of negotiation as collaborating and going, how do I help you get what you want and you help me get what we want and we all win together? But if somebody doesn't have empathy, if they don't care, they go, I have zero interest in helping you get what you want. You know, how do you negotiate with that person? Yeah. And therein lies your problem right there. So right behind me, I've got a book that I wrote called Negotiate Like You Matter. Robert Shapiro wrote the foreword. And in that book, I talk about how both sides want to feel seen, heard, and know that they matter. 
And if you don't walk away with both sides getting some amount of value out of it, the deal's going to fall apart. And I have participated in thousands and thousands and thousands of negotiations, and I know what it takes to get a deal to stick, okay? Here's the problem when you're dealing with a narcissist, okay? Let me explain something about how a narcissist was formed. And this is actually, was it blew my mind when I was doing the research for this book. How a narcissist was formed during childhood is actually a result of trauma to the brain. So when we are dealing with trauma as adults or as human beings, we are presented with, when we're, you know, feeling like we are under fire, we feel like we need to fight or flee, right? Fight or flight. And when that happens, our brains emit chemicals to allow us to prepare to be strong or to run faster. So it's adrenaline or whatever it is, right? You know, to be able to, you know, so it's the sweat glands go and all of that. Mm -hmm. Cortisol, all that stuff. Cortisol, all of that. Exactly. So when that happens on a continuous basis, though, it actually can start to cause damage within the limbic system of the brain, especially for children. And it can actually cause arrested development to that area of the brain. And Mm. what that is called is called narcissistic injury. And when that happens for a narcissist, as they grow, while the prefrontal cortex of the brain, which is the thinking area of the brain, can continue to develop, that limbic system part of the brain, as it continues to, as they grow, When they're presented with situations where they feel like they need to be back in survival mode again, and it doesn't mean it's rational to you, it means it's rational to them or reasonable. So it could be an eye roll, it could be a tone, it could be anything, anything where they feel slighted or they feel like they need to be back in there and they're triggered, then that narcissistic injury is triggered And that limbic system comes back into play and takes back over. And now you're not dealing with rational. Now you're not dealing with reasonable anymore. You're dealing with that limbic system part of their brain. And what I learned in my research is that sometimes they don't even remember what they have done during that period of time. And what happens is it's actually called splitting. Meaning they don't remember what happened to them when they were young or meaning they don't remember the irrational stuff they did to you. What they've done to you. Wow. Yeah. And it's actually a phenomenon called splitting. And so they actually say, I didn't do that. That didn't happen. We didn't have that conversation. That's not how it went. And so, you know, you're not dealing with rational. You're not dealing with reasonable. And so here's the other issue. Here's the other issue with that. These narcissistic people, narcissists, not, you know, they are 
you, let me go back to this other conversation that we started with, which is the narcissistic supply conversation. Remember that conversation we had, right? right? Yeah. We're, mm-hmm. Okay. So when you were having this conversation about where do we want to go with this? Most people think, well, narcissists just want to win, right? They want to win. They want to look good. They want to become out the winner. That's not necessarily true. That only takes into account one form of supply, and that's diamond-level supply. It totally discounts and forgets about coal-level supply, which is manipulating you, seeing you squirm, making you sweat, controlling you. They love that, too. They need that, too. And so Mm. when you're dealing with them in a negotiation, both things are at play constantly. And they don't even realize that sometimes. Sometimes it's it's actually subconscious on their part. And so you're sitting there going, well, how can we rationally and reasonably come to a conclusion here? How can we figure out a resolution? The, the very question that you asked at the outset of this is what a rational and reasonable person would ask. But that is not the question that they're asking. So what your motivation is and what their motivation is, is completely different when you sit down at the table, totally different. Their motivation is, I want to control you. I want to see you squirm. I enjoy seeing you sweat. I enjoy manipulating you. And so they will game play. They'll constantly move goalposts. They'll change their own deal. You'll come back and say, I accept every single one of your points. And they'll say, oh, deal's already switched. It's already changed because you took too long, because I don't like your face anymore, because you parted your hair on a different side today. Hi, it's AJ Vaden, and thanks for listening to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. Did you know that the ideas we share on the show are things we actually specialize in helping you implement? If you want to raise your public profile and turn your reputation into revenue, please visit freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for a free brand strategy call with one of our personal brand strategists. Again, that's freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for your free call. Talk to you soon. That's so frustrating. I mean, it's so frustrating. Like, so you have this acronym SLAY, which is sort of like, okay, so if you're in this situation, and that's super insightful, I've been in this situation before, to go, what they really want to do is not only win, they want to bury you. They want to like, they want to just hurt bury you. you, just play with you. Like they want you to feel awful and horrible and, you know, controlling is the word. Like they're able to to control you. So they'll take themselves down to take you down. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. That's fascinating. So then what do you do? Is that what Slay is about? Is Slay basically what you're supposed to do to deal with all this? Because this is very discouraging and very, like what you're describing is so real. It's like, you know. But that's uh why what I do works. That's why I literally have thousands of testimonials from people who said I've saved their lives. That's why what I do works. That's why I have 40 million views on YouTube. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Is what I do works because I understand this. So and, talk us through slay, like walk yeah. us through that. Yeah. So strategy, leverage, anticipate, and focus on you. So strategy is you have to have a vision. You have to understand where you're going to go. You have to have a GPS. You have to, you know, because you're on the offensive. I mean, you're on the defensive so much when you're dealing with these people that you're just like, oh my God, I can't think anymore. I'm paralyzed. I'm powerless. I cannot think. And most of the time when people are at the other end of this, they have cognitive dissonance. They have CPTSD. They, you know, they can't think straight anymore. So the first thing you got to do is know where you're going to go and have a very specific vision about it, right? You talk about so beautifully about, you know, having a thought, conceive, believe, achieve, knowing where you want to go, make it specific. Same principle, right? Understanding where you're going to go, have a very specific vision. So that's number one. Then creating that action plan. That's all part of my strategy, having an action plan, knowing exactly where you're going to go. And does that mean knowing what you want? Is that what you mean by just being clear of like, this is what I want to have happen at the end of this? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so many times when I ask people what it is that you want, the first thing they'll say is, I just want them to leave me alone. I just want it to stop. I just, that's not a want, you Uh know? You're saying like specific outcomes that you document that you go, here's what a win in this scenario looks like for me. And just getting the first step is getting clear on that yourself. Getting clear on that yourself. At the end of this partnership, I want to take over my company. I want to buy them out. Here's how much I think the company is worth, you know, whatever it is, or I want them to buy me out, or I want you know, the company needs to be sold or, you know, what's the specific outcome for you? And how does that look? How does that happen? You know, I mean, what does the partnership agreement say? You know, half the time when I ask people that question, they don't even know if they have a partnership agreement. You know what? I mean, so, you know, there's questions that need to be asked. Then what are the steps that need to happen to make that happen? All right. So that's number one. Number two is L. That's your leverage. And many people want to go straight to leverage. You can't have leverage. You can't get to that point unless you've developed a strategy first. Okay. You need to know what's motivating these people. So here's your diamond level supply versus your coal level supply. So diamond level supply, what's most important to them? What is most important to them? And, you know, as far as what they look like to the world, it's going to be different for every narcissist, but you know, it's basically every narcissist has something that is, you know, most important to them as far as how they look in the world. That's going to be the most important to them and they will protect and defend that at any cost. At any cost, that diamond level supply, they will hang on to that more importantly and most preciously than anything. And that's the thing that you have to threaten. You have to threaten a source of supply that's more important for them to keep than the supply that they get from jerking you around. And then threaten that source of supply. But you can't actually take away that source of supply because if you do, then your leverage is gone, obviously. All right? And so, and then you've got to come up with like 40 different ways that you kind of like have the guns pointing at it. You know, so what does that look like? Summary of their lies and inconsistent statements or, you know, potentially, you know, deposing. I call it deposed to expose, you know, so potentially deposing their new source of supply, 
you know, their new paramour maybe, or their new business partner, or all of the people in their new company, or because, you know, when you, a lot of times you're breaking up in a partnership, they go to take half the clients with them. So, you know, are you going to go depose all the new clients? Are you going to, what are you going to do in order to potentially expose them and have this conversation? I call it ethically manipulating the manipulator. These are all very legal things that you can do. I'm not talking about blackmail. I'm talking about things that you can do. But, you know, these are offensive strategies. Most of the time when you're on the other end of a narcissist, you're, a, you're an empathic person. You're a person that goes, oh, I don't want to have to do that. It seems cringy to you. You don't want to do that? Then I hope you enjoy the, you know, being you know, on the other side of a steamroller because that's what's going to happen to you. You have to be offensive when you're dealing with this because, you know, they have to feel like the hammer is going to get dropped on them, you know, and then A is anticipate, anticipate what the narcissist is going to do and be two steps ahead of them. What are they going to do? Well, first of all, there's three different types of narcissists that I like to, you know, sort of talk about which is covert, overt, and malignant. They each act differently in negotiations. And in my book, I talk about how they act because they're each different, which is, you know, we can't really get into all of that right here because it's kind of long, but, you know, they do act differently in negotiations. But the one thing I do want to talk about here just briefly is they are going to try to trigger you. They are going to try to get under your skin. So you have to stand firm. You have to stay calm. Don't take the bait. Don't allow them to go fishing and you end up with a hook in your mouth. You know, like don't defend yourself. Don't explain. Don't justify. They're going to say stuff to you. Like, you know, like for you, Rory, you are a person who prides himself on being, you know, a person of integrity, a person who's honest, a person who does what he says he's going to do when he says he's going to do it. So for you, what would be the first thing you're going to do? You're dishonest. You're a liar. Uh You're not a person of integrity. You're a horrible father. You never show up for your kids. They're going to say those kinds of things to you. First thing, because they're going to know that that's the first thing that would bug the crap out of you. Mm-hmm. And make you squirm. That's the like, what can I do to just like control you and manipulate you and see you just be completely off kilter? Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. And when you say don't defend yourself, I mean, so this is, I'll share this. One of the very, like the very first time that I was in like a real lawsuit, and this is like a piece of legal advice that I wish somebody would have told me, like the one thing I wish somebody would have told me was don't read their letters. Like I read their letters and it was like, this letter is outrageous. This is a flat out lie. This is un- yep. like unbelievable. How are they even saying this? And yep. it's like, that's the point of the letters. Yes. <laughs> like, like there's no legal substance whatsoever to the, li- it has nothing to do with what is accurate. It's literally for the purpose of getting riled up. So, yes. you know, in subsequent yes. lawsuits I've been involved in, I just throw the letters away. I don't even look at right. them. I just give them to my lawyers and say, you know, like, go ahead oh, and right. go through this. And they whatever, always but... come at four o'clock on Fridays, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> 
on your birthday, on their birthday, yeah. if there's yeah. an anniversary or something like, uh-huh, they yeah. do it on, yeah. they do it on purpose. Yeah. Which is, yeah. it's funny because it's a very predictable. Right. That's why I say anticipate what they're going to do and don't defend yourself. Never explain, never justify, you know. Honestly, pretend, pretend like laughable. you're reporting the news. Yeah. Once you have the perspective, you go, oh my gosh, this is hilarious. Like it's such a predictable immature, like what would somebody that just for no other reason to try to hurt you? And you're like, oh my gosh, like, yeah. So that's interesting. And not justifying. Like if you're justifying, they are winning. You're doing exactly what they want. If you're defending yourself, you're doing exactly what they want to do. Exactly. Um, Fascinating. So that's anticipate. That's A. Yep. And then then why is the you? And so I split you into two sections, which is you staying on the offensive, which I, you know, just sort of addressed a moment ago. And then why the other part of why is a hundred percent of winning is your mindset and you and you alone define your value. And, you know, I used to say 80% of winning was your mindset. And then I interviewed Bob Proctor and he corrected me on my own podcast. I will have to tell you. (laughs) And, uh, and then I was like, you know what? He's right. And so I like to tell this story about your value. And that is that I actually was, I told you a moment ago that I had been practicing law for about eight years. And then I went and was a broker at Morgan Stanley for a couple of years you know, my daughter was little at the time. And then I decided, you know, a friend of mine was leaving Naples and decided to give me her law practice. Basically. She was like, I have, a, you know, about, I don't know, it was like 15 clients or something. And she's like, I have these clients. I'm going to just basically dump them in your lap and you can, you know, start a law practice with them. And I was like, okay, nobody's ever going to be giving me a law practice ever. So this is my chance to start a practice. And so I did that. And I had a business coach at the time who's still somebody I go back to often. And she's one of my very best friends and one of the smartest people I know on the planet. And I said to her, I said, oh, I am so worried that the people of Naples are going to think that I'm such a flake that, you know, she was a lawyer first and now she's back that she was a financial person and back to being a lawyer. I was so nervous that the people of Naples were going to think I was such a flake. And she said, people will think what you tell them to think. She said, you can tell them to think that you're a flake. Or you can tell them to think that you are the only family law attorney in town that has a financial background. So therefore, you are actually more qualified than any other family law attorney in town. Which story would you like to tell? Mm. And I said, oh, maybe I'll tell that story. And... So that's how I went ahead and branded myself, by the way. And within two years, I had clients like Arnold Schwarzenegger's goddaughter, and I was traveling in Europe with him and all kinds of, you know, represented the founder of melting pot restaurants and all kinds of, you know, amazing clients and, you know, people who very clearly weren't going to be hiring a flake. And, you know, I think that had I held myself out and was apologetic and said, oh, you know, I'm a flake and, you know, that sort of thing, that's what people would have seen. And so I always say that you and you alone define your value and people will think what you tell them to think. So, you know, you have to believe it, though. 
you have to believe it first. It's not the other way around. It's not like, you know, once people believe in you, then you'll believe in yourself. It has to come from you first in any negotiation or anything that you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. That's a great point and true about the mindset. And and what's interesting is whatever you tell yourself is what becomes true, right? Like you basically get to author your own future with just whichever story you tell yourself. I wanted to go, I did want to ask you, I wanted to go back to the leverage for a second, because you basically said, you know, there's these two types of supply, the diamond supply and the coal supply. And you said, if we threaten, you know, threaten the diamond supply, figure out what they care about most, basically figure out where they look good and and talk about how you could threaten it. How would you attack the coal supply if they want to manipulate you and control you? Do you basically would you want to play into that and make them think they're controlling you and make them think that they're winning? Or would it be the opposite where you go? No, like show them that what they're doing has zero impact on you whatsoever. Yeah, I have two answers for that. So one is, and that's a great question, by the way, I love that question. So I have a couple of different ways that I go into in the book for that. One is that I tell people that they can either, and it kind of depends on what's going on in their situation. But so if there's something that they want from them, for example, I tell them that they can use a tactic that I call fluff or favor vomit later. Um, So, you know, it's like fluff up their ego, you know, because that's what they want. They love when you fluff up their ego and that diamond level supply is, you know, is always, you know, in play. So, you know, you can say something like, oh, you know, if they're great at QuickBooks, for example, oh, can you handle the QuickBooks this month? You're so much better at it than I am. And it'll be done so much faster if you do it. You're so much more efficient at it, you know, something like that. And you just make sure you don't say anything good about yourself or anything like that. No tone, because I always say narcissists hear tones like dogs hear whistles, like even if there's no tone, they hear tone. So, you know, And then, you know, I always say, if you have to go shower or vomit later, that's fine. But, you know, get them to do something for you. So fluff or favor vomit later. So that's one thing. The (laughs) other thing is that I say, you know, to you, it's wise to use the element of surprise. So, you know, never let on what it is that you're up to, what it is that your leverage is, nothing. You know, I would act like they're winning. I would act like you don't know what's going on. I mean, even till the very end, I mean, I would throw out decoys about what it is that you actually want in a negotiation, because if you tell them what you actually really want, then they're going to make sure that you don't get that thing, you know, because they don't want you to win. They don't want you to have that thing, you know, and at the very end, you know, if you end up with you know, the thing that you wanted or the the settlement that you wanted or whatever, I would act like, oh my God, they, they really got me or whatever. You've got to take your ego out of this thing because if they think that they got you or, or didn't get you or whatever, it, it's like at the end of the day, if you can walk away from this thing and be done 
and you know, not have to look back and have them out of your life. That's what you want. Because especially the more malignant the narcissist that you're dealing with, the worse it's going to be. I mean, you know, I know for me with my narcissistic business partner, I was just like gray rock. So, you know, that's another term that they have. And that was one of the other things I wanted to mention to you. The more you can just have no reaction to the types of things that they're trying to do and try to get a reaction out of you, the more you can just not take their bait, the better it's going to be for you. You know, oh, that's interesting. Oh, that's great feedback. Thank you. Thanks for letting me know. You know, so I actually, you know, my slave program, I've got, you know, 50 key phrases for disarming narcissists, you know, so that, you know, people told me that they print them out, you know, they keep them by their computer, they use them for emails, things like that. Because, you know, I mean, another phrase that I really like is, I agree with you, that's what you think. You know, I agree with you that that's your opinion. You know, I agree that I, you know, I heard that's what you said. You know, I mean, you've agreed to nothing when you said that, right? But they heard you say, I agree with you, or I understand, or I hear you, you know, that sort of thing. I mean, you know, however you can keep the conversation like there, here. Yeah, that is really, really, really powerful stuff. Really fascinating to hear this. Like, so you mentioned the book a couple of times. So Slay the Bully is the new one that is coming out. Where should they go if they want to pre-order or order a copy of it, depending on when they're hearing this? They can get it at slaythebully.com. And it's, you know, it's it's available wherever books are sold, but slaythebully.com is the best place to go. Check it out and get all the bonuses that come along with it, which is, you know, a lot of really cool stuff, including, you know, access to my private launch team. And I am. Yeah. And, you know, masterclass with me and, you know, early access to the manuscript, depending on, as you said, when you're hearing this and all kinds of really other cool stuff. So... Yep. I love it. So we'll link that up in the show notes and you can check that out. The last little question I've got for you, Rebecca, is just what advice would you give to somebody who's really feeling discouraged right now? You know, like I said, I've been in this spot before and you can be acting like the gray rock. I think that's really great advice. I wish I would have had that advice. You can be doing this stuff. And in reality, deep down, you can still feel quite a lot like crap, like you are being manipulated, like you are dealing with someone who's unreasonable like you are losing, like you are, they're getting their way with everything. And you just feel like it's completely unfair. And what encouragement would you give to somebody that is in that spot right now? First of all, I'm going to tell you, they don't attach themselves to you because you have so little value. They attach themselves to you because you have so much. Mm. That's one of the first things I tell you all the time. They don't want the clearance rack item. <laughs> they want the bright, shiny star, right? They're hitching their wagon to a star. So remember that. And second of all, baby steps. So in order to course correct, I tell you, step one, don't run. Step two, make a U-turn. Step three, break free. Because, you know, they didn't condition you overnight. And it was a conditioning that happened. You know, it's a conditioning. So to decondition yourself, it's not going to happen overnight either. So, 
you know, you're basically making a whole full on U-turn with this. So the very first step with that step one, don't run. If that very first step, the only thing that you feel like you can do today in making that first step is drawing a boundary, one boundary. And if that first boundary that you feel like you can do today is just saying to yourself, you know what? My boundary today is going to be, I'm not allowing myself to be spoken to disrespectfully anymore. And that's what I'm going to, you know, start today. Then that is a great way to start. And I actually at disarmthenarc.com, I have free phrases that you can download for disarming narcissists and, you know, they're free. So, you know, feel free to go get those too. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you so much for this. It feels empowering to have a a little bit of insight to what's going on and how to navigate a way through this. And we're so excited about the book and wishing you good luck with that. And we just wish you all the best, my friend. Thank you. You are the best too. You are the bomb. That's all we've got for this episode of the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. But here's some great news. One of the most valuable things you can do to help us and other new potential listeners to find our show is for you to both rate this show and leave a review. So as a special bonus for you, if you leave us a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen, take a screenshot of your review and email it to podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. We will give you free 30-day access to 25 of our most popular interviews on video in your own private members-only area. So go right now, rate us, review us, and then send a screenshot of it into podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. And we'll get you set up with free access to our most popular video interviews all in one place. Also, just please share, share, share this podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it. And until next time, remember that building a business isn't nearly as valuable as building a reputation. 